Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Uh, My mandate tonight comes from the book of Psalms, the 18th chapter. I like to call that chapter the chapter of great deliverances. This is a chapter that is written by David testifying of what he went through under the hand of Saul and all that hated him and the victories that were given him by the working of God. Of course, this dear man, by reason of the consecration that he had with God, there's a lot that came his way. He was tried and tested. In the fourth verse, it speaks of how the sorrows of death encompassed him and the floods of ungodly men made him afraid. He went and called on the Lord and cried unto him and the Lord had his voice and his tears. So he speaks about the things, the testations that he went through uh, while God was preparing him to become king. But while in there, he gives us a very powerful statement. I don't even have words to describe it because in what I'm asking God to help me to get the utterance, to help you see what I see in this, I believe that after this, some of us might not have enough words to describe it. It's so powerful. It's regnant. It commands a certain authority that will change your life for good. In the 28th verse, he says, For thou will light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. You will light my candle, and the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by thee I ran through a troop, and by God I have leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. is a buckler to all of those who trust in him. We have always had a question in the church. Very important question in the church. And every right-meaning level-headed believer has this question in their heart. Why aren't people free? We have all of these promises. And the Bible says, and by these, we are partakers of God's nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We're made partakers. We have an inheritance as saints that dwell in this light. But, you find a believer going for a deliverance service because they need to be delivered. They need to be free. Things are strangling them at night. Lost sleep. They're sick in their body. They are troubled in their household. Their children are troubled. Their marriage is breaking. Their businesses are sinking. Everything is failing left, right, and center. So they go seek help, and then they go for a deliverance service. And let me promise you that if by God you would be helped tonight to understand what I'm going to share, you will never need another deliverance service any day. You will never need another deliverance service any day. Am I against deliverance services? I'm not against deliverance services. But I have a problem when you're casting out devils that never leave. I have a problem that for 20, 30, 40 years, somebody's dealing with the same thing that never seems to change. Same demon, same affliction, same perversion, same darkness, same demonic oppression. And so, unfortunately, some ministers have created some sort of doctrine around these challenges. And we are assumed that you're supposed to be like that. You're supposed to live the Christian faith like that. That's not how God 
has called us. The Bible says he has called us to glory and virtue. Somebody say glory and virtue. So why are people still struggling with things that have failed to live? Why are people still fighting with things that just never leave them? Therefore, six, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. They don't perish because they're demon-possessed. They don't perish because of the generational curses that are so-called. People are going for deliverances of generational curses and they're breaking things that their great-great-great-grandfathers did. They're saying, oh, this is disturbing me because it's four generations of this, it's four generations of that. And all manner of teaching that is in the church of Jesus Christ today that actually you through scripture can actually prove that they've interpreted scripture wrongly. Let me say this, it's hard, but it's true. Not everything in the Bible is applicable now. Not everything in the Bible is applicable now. Like in the New Testament dispensation, we have the circumcision of the heart and not the circumcision of the flesh. You cannot tell me that every time a child is eight days old, like the Jewish culture is too, so we have to get our young boys and circumcise them. Because now we're talking about the circumcision of the heart. There was a time God commanded them to create a place where he would come and dwell with them. They built tabernacles. But now the Bible says, he does not dwell in temples made by human hands. We have become the temple. We are the temple. But he ministered to them where they understood and how they understood it. You see, many Christians, many, many Christians across the world do not have a clue about what it means to live this Christian life. Many people are in sorrow and pain, unnecessary pain because they do not know what it means to live the life of salvation. And unfortunately, the doctrines out there are not helping us. They're even worsening it. They think it's more spiritual when you wake up at the midnight to break all the curses that have been following you since June. The witchcraft that the neighbor at the next door is sending you. And I'm thinking, I wish people understood what Jesus came to do. I wish we understand so the psalmist gets a vision of a sort of light. He knows what the light can do. He knows the power of the light. He knows that anything that tests and tries humanity is darkness. And all a man needs is light. We can never talk about deliverance without talking about the light. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because every work of the devil is darkness. It is darkness. And so like you enter a room and find it dark and then you switch on the light and that darkness flees. That's what the gospel is supposed to do. Somebody shout hallelujah. So when the psalmist sees the revelation, when he gets the revelation of this light that we have, he says, you will light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. That's why in Proverbs 20, 27, the Bible says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. The spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. So when the psalmist says that you will light my candle, he's saying that all I need in the human spirit is the light of the glorious gospel. Somebody shout hallelujah. All a man needs is the light of the glorious gospel. But again, we have challenges when what we assume to be light is actually not light. That's why Paul says, take heed that that which you call light be not darkness. Jesus says it. He says, take heed. Because you might think that you're walking under light, yet you are actually walking under what? Darkness. He says, take heed that the light which is in thee is not darkness. It's not darkness. Jesus told us. We have people who think that they are in the light of the gospel, but they're still in the life of darkness. We have Christians across the world who even though they're a new creation in Christ Jesus and the old is past and now the new and all things are become of God which has reconciled us to himself they still live the life of a fallen nature. They still interpret more of their fallen nature than they do of the nature that they have in Christ Jesus. It's a consciousness. Many people are living the life of carnal men, they are carnal. They see things from the way the world sees them. 
They walk by their senses. They walk by their feeling. They walk by what they see. They live by what they hear. They live by what their five senses can interpret. They live by what they see people say. What they hear the doctors say. That's what they live by. Many Christians, by the way. Many, many Christians. You can tell by their lifestyle. You can tell. You see, the Bible has defined our manner of life and our ways which be in the Lord. Paul has said, observe my manner of life and my ways which be in the Lord. The Christian has ways that they're supposed to live in God. They have a certain life that we are programmed to live and we cannot live less of that. When you become a Christian and you say, I'm born again, I'm a new creation, it's more than just refusing to do evil anymore, to stop drinking and doing all that that you were doing in that life, for which now you're ashamed of because you're a new creature. It's more than just living a morally upright life. There is a conditioning of your spirit. The Bible speaks of them which have matured to exercise their senses. Their senses are exercised to discern what is good and what is evil. Some people are not yet mature enough to eat meat. The Bible calls it strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age. The maturity that is required of every child of God to be able to exercise themselves to discern. They are exercised to discern what is good and evil. Because when you are carnal, you might assume something is good, yet it's evil. You might assume that something's right, yet it's wrong. Why? Because you have obtained a tradition within the church. You see them do certain things. And perhaps they're your leaders. You see this man doing this a certain way. And you say, I think this is the way to go. Because I see that many people are following. Or many people are appealed and connected to what he's doing. And we see some signs of answers. And some, you know, droplets of light coming through what he is doing. And sometimes it's entirely the grace of God. In the ignorance of that man that God would wink. That he would work in that man while he waits for that man to awaken to the truth. Because the truth is supposed, should make us free. Somebody shout hallelujah. Luke chapter 1, the 76th verse. He says, and you little one shall be called a prophet of the Most High, for you shall go on before the face of the Lord to make ready his people. To make ready his people. To bring and give the knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness and remission of their sins. That's very powerful. To give and bring, to bring and give. Not just to bring and demonstrate of yourself, but Jesus was to come to bring and give a certain knowledge about salvation to his people, which is revealed in the forgiveness and the remission of sins. There's some powerful in understanding that you are forgiven. There's some powerful in understanding that the sacrifice of Christ was enough. The Bible says it's a propitiation. The word there, propitiation, is the perfect sacrifice of our sins. And not only for us, but for the whole world. Somebody shout hallelujah. There's something powerful about understanding the forgiveness of the sins. Because see, man fell because of sin, isn't it? And the Bible says, and death reigned because of what? Sin. So why do people die? Because of sin. Why do we see the nuggets of death? Because of sin. People are sickly because of the sin nature. People are weak because of the sin nature. People are beggarly because of the sin nature. People are failing in life because of the sin nature. To understand that he came to take away our sins. It means that death has no sting. Somebody shout, hallelujah. hallelujah. Death has no sting. He says, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He just didn't forgive only. He taketh away the sin of the world. He taketh away the sin of the world. Somebody shout, hallelujah. So he brings, but not only brings, but he gives the knowledge of the salvation to his people and the forgiveness and the reason of his sins because of and through the heart, listen, of the tender mercy and loving kindness of our God. And he says, a light from on high will dawn upon us and visit us. So how will we carry the proof, the mark of that forgiveness? A light from on high will dawn upon us and visit us. That's what David sees. He says, you will light my candle 
All I need is a certain light to connect to the human spirit and my life will be changed and transformed. Somebody shout hallelujah. The spirit of man is the candor of the Lord. It's the candor of the Lord. Man just needed to be lit and he could not be lit without the forgiveness of sins, without the remission of sins. Somebody shout hallelujah. So he says that a light will come from on high and will dawn upon us and visit us. Verse 79, to shine upon and give light to those who sit in what? Darkness and in the shadow of death to direct and guide our feet in a straight line into the way of struggling, into the way of trouble, into the way of sickness. No, he says into a way of peace. Somebody shout hallelujah. So this light was come for those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Did you see? Darkness and in the shadow of death. Those are concurrent. They're simultaneous. He says they sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And he says to help this man, he needs to be guided. His feet need to be guided in a straight line into the way of peace. So why is this man in darkness and in death? Because his feet are not walking straight. He's double-minded. You understand? He's this and that. He's up and down. His life is perpetual life of going in and out, going this way and that way. He's unstable. A double-minded man, the Bible says, is unstable in all his ways. And an unstable life can be seen. Today, he's happy. Tomorrow, he's sad. Today, he's healthy. Tomorrow, he's sick. Today, he's working. Tomorrow, he's not working. And then we have these people who have brought this very uncoordinated doctrines in church. No, it's supposed to be normal for you to be sick. It's supposed to be normal for you to be beggarly. It's supposed to be normal. I mean, you know, marriages have their challenges. Yours. Your marriage. But marriages have challenges. Yours, I repeat. You give examples on your marriage and perhaps the people who think like you. Somebody shout hallelujah, glory to God. This man came to make it straight for us. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says, the devil cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The Amplified says, you will have life to the full till it overflows. So refuse to accept what the world gives you because it interprets life from a carnal lens, not the truth. The truth is, it's possible to live a life until you go to heaven without falling sick. And there's somebody right now saying, now look at them. You know, I know why I will sound strange to him. He's carnal. He cannot receive the things of the Spirit. He cannot, even if he tries. The Bible says he's unable. It is foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually designed. How can you say? How can you say? Well, it's not what I'm saying. It's what the Word of God says. Peter says that he bore our sins in his own flesh. That we being dead unto sins might live unto righteousness. And he says, by his stripes ye were. He didn't say you will be. He didn't say you could be. He did not say you might be. By his stripes ye were healed. The KJV says, by his stripes ye were healed. Ye were healed. Ye were healed. Ye were healed. I don't care what you feel. You were healed. I don't care what they found in your body. You were healed. I don't care whether your father's father had diabetes and they have, you know, high blood pressure and that it's supposed to run in the family. By his stripes, ye were healed. Now ye have come into a new family. Who is my brother? Who is my sister? Except he that does the will of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Say I'm a child of a light. So it doesn't matter what they say. I don't care. I don't fall sick. What if you wake up with pain in your body? It's still true that you don't fall sick. And you either exercise your senses for your body to allow it or not. Recently I was playing basketball with the boys. We have this guy on the team who is big. He's, yes, big body. You know, he can, you know, box you out easily. 
And I told him, but you're not using your body right. You could do more with that body. Because some of us were playing on the court as smaller boys. He came to my understanding that this is just a vessel. It just responds to a certain leading. The body is just a vessel. I don't care what they found in your heart or your kidneys. It's just a vessel. Something can direct it to the right course. Like somebody can use their mind to do something. Your spirit can do something with your body. The Bible says that the spirit of man whoa, will sustain his infirmity. It can withstand anything that comes into your body. The Bible says, but a weak and broken spirit, who can bear up? In other words, nobody can help you when your spirit is broken. And sometimes the spirit is broken through doctrine, wrong doctrine, wrong teaching. People are broken through wrong teaching. Somebody shout hallelujah. Some people think it's normal to be poor or to lack. Oh, you know, life is like that. It has its upsides and downs. Today you're up, tomorrow you're down. Oh, no, that's how your road is. It's like that. But the man I'm talking about came to make crooked paths straight. To level valleys. To straighten mountains. To make sure that you live a life that is admirable. The Bible says, Ten shall come to you and hold unto you and say, Let us go with you, for we have heard that the Lord is with you. How? When you seek? When everything around you is in trouble? No. Something must be so defining on you that people will come and say, We want to go with a God that you are worshiping. Somebody shout, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible speaks of how nations shall come to a Jew and say, Let us go with you, for the Lord is with you. That means that there is a mark of God operating on your life. Our ways are supposed to be ways of peace. Peace in your body. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Peace at your work. Peace in your career. Peace in your marriage. Peace with your children. Peace in your ministry. Peace everywhere you go. Overall wellness. Nothing lacking. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. That's the way of salvation. And then you hear people say, but they tell people, you know, life is smooth. It is supposed to be smooth. It should be smooth for the believer. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? I've told us why he came. I've told us why he came. To help them that were sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death. In the shadow of death. You remember the psalmist saying, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, that was an unregenerated Man, he was not yet changed and transformed. When you become born again, you don't dwell in the shadow of death. You dwell in the realm of light. Somebody shout hallelujah, glory to God. In Matthew, the fourth chapter, the 16th verse, he says, the people which sat in darkness, this is now Jesus speaking, have what? Have seen a great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, the light is what? Is sprung up. And when God, Jesus had said that, the Bible says from that time on, when the revelation came into the earth, the Bible says Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, change your mindset. There's a new realm coming. Those that were seated in darkness have now received a great, great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow, when you say region there, the word literally is in the boundaries and borders of the shadow of death. There's some people right now in the world who are in the boundaries of death, some sort of death. Something about them will die soon or has died recently. They live in the boundaries because the shadow of death is a realm. It's a boundary. It's a region. And the Bible speaks of how he has appointed our boundaries of habitation. They're not just physical that he appointed that I would live in Uganda, but they're also spiritual. We seek God from the boundaries with which we dwell spiritually. We all have a boundary where we live. We have a realm that is determined for us to live, to habitate spiritually like we do physically. So there are people who are in the boundaries of death. If you are in the boundaries of death, sickness will not leave you. You're just healthy for a few days. And you can see a man who lives in the boundaries of death. They have the consciousness of death. They are conscious. Somebody says, oh my God, flu. And then they run away. And then they run away. 
One time, <laughs> I was living around people who all got flu in the same house. All got flu. And since somebody in that same house says, but why don't you get flu? How come you don't get flu? How come everyone is sneezing except you? The boundaries are different. Somebody shout hallelujah. One is in the boundary where they get flu. Another one is in the boundaries where they don't get flu. So what if you sleep a bit one time and find yourself in the boundary and then you find yourself with flu after have not gotten it for years? Go back in the right boundary. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's that simple. Tell your neighbor, switch the boundary to the dwelling of light. Yes, that's what you do. Somebody has just switched. Somebody has just switched. Just switch the boundaries. Just switch the boundaries. Some people are in the boundaries of luck. It doesn't matter how much money they have on their account. It's going to change tomorrow or next week or next year. Recently, I drove out of home and I had some money in a common place. So I'm going to pick my money. The Spirit of the Lord told me, don't pick it. I don't ask why, because in most of these places, I've gotten the understanding. Don't pick it. Say. Then I just opened my spirit to understand. And he said, you no longer need to carry money. Money follows you. I said, ah, okay. That's my boundary. Don't pick it. It will follow you. So I get in the car. <laughs> and then I went to see somebody. And then as surely as the Lord liveth, the moment this person saw me, he got money, a lot of it, and put it in my hands and said, Apostle, God bless you. He said, ah, money follows me. There are people who are in the boundary where money follows them. And there are people who are following money. They're chasing it everywhere. You even find them and say, hi, how are you? You're lost. Ah, man, brother, I'm chasing money. A Christian, a Christian chasing money. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. All the days, not sometimes, not when the economy is favorable. He says, all the days of your life, all the days of your life, all the days of your life, I will never be poor. Mark my words, I will never be poor. You can also say it if you have the boldness. There's somebody right now looking at me saying, can I say, can I really say, I dare you, say it. You see, the problem with the children of God is they're not ready to believe God. Somebody shout hallelujah, glory to God. So what if you woke up and you don't have a cent in your pocket? Say money follows me. I'm not subject to it, it answers it. I'm not supposed to answer to it. It's supposed to answer to me. It's like a dog, your dog, if you have a dog. You know, you have those dogs that like following you around, yeah. This time, money is supposed to be that dog that wants to follow you everywhere. It's supposed to be the thing that says, stop following me, but it has to follow you. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's the boundaries, brothers and sisters. It has nothing to do with your family ties. It has nothing to do with your education. Nothing whatsoever is the boundaries where you choose to live. And some people are living in the wrong realm. They're functioning in the wrong boundary. They're still sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death. It might not be physical, but there's things dying every day around you. Somebody can observe your life for years and they can see that things are dying. Things are dying. From the time I understood this, I started to see my life become better and better every day. And I can tell you, every time I wake up, I wake up looking to the tender masses of God that forgave my sins and imputed righteousness on me. And the Bible says, and the Spirit giveth life because of righteousness. So he says in Romans. And every morning I wake up to expect that life that is supposed to come through this righteousness. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now the psalmist says that you will light my soul. You will give me light. You will light my candle. You will light my candle. God, you will enlighten my darkness. Why? He's not born again. So he's right to say you will enlighten. If you are in the realm, in the dispensation of the New Testament, you are a light. He says you are the light of the world. Somebody shout hallelujah. You are the light of the world. And the Bible says in the whole world lies in darkness. We are a light. Do you know how powerful that is? So how can you say that, oh, apostle, something is strangling me at night. 
where do you dwell? Oh, I woke up and I moved my hand. I couldn't move it. Oh yeah, before we understood. I remember many years ago when I just got born again. Many, many years ago. You know, you're a young boy, you're growing up and then you're sleeping and then you wake up and then you lift your hand. The vessel, it refuses. You try to move the leg, it refuses. You want to call somebody, but you can't. Scientists give it a name. But I don't blame them. That's a canal name. How can you wake up and your mind wills to do, but the vessel can't respond? You see that? So you try to move. And I remember that little small voice. Jesus! As he pulls back. Has somebody been there? Yeah. But that was before. That was before. That was before. That was, I can't wake up and I can't, oh my God. Oh, I don't dwell there. How can the devil just pause your body? And then you try to move it and you, you, it's just paused. It's paused. Some of you wake up and you can't breathe. Oh, oh Jesus. And then after you say, Rabadokapa. No, 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 no. You have a problem. You have a problem. You're dwelling somewhere. You're sleeping in the wrong realm. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you choose the right realm, when you sleep, the Bible says, he giveth sleep to his beloved. Are you hearing me? When you sleep in the right realm, the Bible says he instructs your reins even in the night. When you sleep in the right realm, you sleep like a baby and you wake up like a lion. You roar. Somebody shout hallelujah. Do you know there's somebody right now watching me? Every time they go to bed, some sort of pain comes. Either in their heart or in their chest or in their head. Some sort of pain comes every time you lie down to sleep. That's demonic. That's demonic. But it depends on where you dwell. I'm telling you, if you understand this, you'll never need deliverance. No, you'll work on yourself. You'll operate yourself. Are you hearing me? Because you have Christ in you. The hope of what? The hope of glory. He says, repent ye, for the kingdom of God is what? Is nigh. John says, in him was life. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. That's present continuous. And the darkness comprehended it not. That's past tense. Who has understood it? The light of Christ is a constant. The darkness is a past tense. When you enter a room and switch on the light, pa, light is constant. Darkness is past tense. It was dark before the light came. When the light came, when the light came, there is no competition. There is no comparison. It means that when you enter a room and it has darkness and you switch on, pa, there is no way darkness can say, I'm refusing light. How can it not go? And so as Christians, how can you tell me the demon has refused to go? Which demon? Why has it refused to go? How can it not go? Unless you're under another realm. You're under another boundary. How can it refuse to go? How can it refuse? How can it refuse? How can it refuse? Oh, you know, Apostle, I prayed. I prayed for HIV. I prayed. But it has refused. How can it not go? How can it not go? Why shouldn't it go? It has to go. Why? Because that's what light is supposed to do. Once it gets into a place... Once you get a light and go into a dark place and then you switch on your torch, there is no way darkness won't flee. So darkness comprehended that light not. It could not comprehend that light. It will never comprehend that light. It's not even a place of it trying to get around that light and create its own shadow. It cannot create its own shadow anymore. It can't. It's not possible. God has given us that example of light for us to understand. That is why you must get from the place of I refuse to be sick to I don't fall sick. I refuse to be poor to I don't get poor. I cannot. I should not. It's not in my nature. It's not in my DNA. I cannot fail. I don't fail. 
I will never fail. It's not possible for me to fail. <laughs> okay, we shall see. Yes, we shall see. Some you threaten us. We shall see. We shall see. We shall see. Where is your faith? Do you know how many people are not ready to believe God? They're just not ready to believe God. They're not ready to take Him at His word. They say they are believers, but only in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's where they end. They don't understand the faith of Christ operating in us. They don't have the boldness of the Spirit. They don't have it. They don't have it. They don't have it. You pray for somebody and they're healed one week, two weeks, two months, and then they said, oh, apostle, it has come back. One time, you pray for somebody with a very great miracle and they were healed. After they were healed, a couple of days later, they said, oh, the pain has come back. What should I do? Tell them, ignore it. It left. What? I said, you ignore that thing. It left long ago. Oh, so I just ignore it. Yes. What more? I, mean, I thought we should pray. I said that it goes like you prayed last time. I said, no, I prayed once. It had me. You're the one inviting it back. But I post, I feel the pain. Again, the carnal man. He's moving by his feeling. Let me tell you, the Bible says if you live by the flesh, the Bible says you'll surely die. I love that Paul added, surely. You know, it's not a guess thing. No, he says you will surely die. You will surely die. You will die. But if you through by the Spirit mortify the deeds of the body, the Bible says you shall live. And so is everything else. It's everything else. So the Bible says you're the children of the light. God means it. We are no longer in the shadows of death. Any sort of death. That's why Jesus Christ came. Somebody shout hallelujah. So as John is explaining and expressing the glory of this life and light that comes through for darkness not to comprehend, you go down in the 16th verse if you read the Amplified Version, Sam John chapter 1, he says, for out of his fullness, out of his fullness, in brackets, abundance, we have all received and all had a share and we're all supplied with one grace after another and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, even favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. Oh! So he says, you've not received a part of him. No, he says of his fullness, of his abundance. Is God in abundant health? You have received of his abundance. Is God in abundant wealth? You have received of his wealth. Is God in abundant uh, peace? You have received of his peace. Is God in abundant wisdom? You have received of his wisdom. He says, we have received. We have all received. All, not some, not just the special man of God who prays for you on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. No, he says, we have all received. Can you imagine what that means? Could you just pause a bit and think what it means to receive from his fullness? Even if you just received a part of him, it should have been enough. But he says, you have out of his fullness. That means he got the revelation of life and got it all full. And he said, I have not only brought, but I give to you that knowledge. I'm wealthy. The people who think that God just got a part of his wealth, then he gave you, then he gave him half. No, he didn't apportion like that. No, he got wealth, put it before you and said, use as far as you want. So every man has the opportunity to pick as much as they want or they need. He got his wealth, his peace, his joy, his wisdom. And he said, it's there. It's bottomless. You will never take it all. You'll still need more. Even when you take as much as you want, you'll still need more. But it is there. Pick as much as you want. When you're satisfied, then let others pick as well. We have an endless provision of God's fullness and abundance. And it's available for us. And all we just need to do is to say, I choose it. That's all you need. To say, I choose that. He says, of his fullness, we have received. All received. And all had a share. 
and we are all supplied with. See, when John sees that, he sees the grace that should come after the grace that is on your life. So if they say, I see a grace on you, every morning you're supposed to operate in a deeper grace than you did yesterday. You'll live a life of grace heaped upon grace, spiritual blessing heaped upon spiritual blessing, favor heaped upon favor, gift heaped upon gift. What if your husband left you last week? He didn't change it. That you are still blessed by God. You are still favored by God. You will still be gifted upon gift by God. He says, for as long as you can believe me on this, I will continuously supply until you are full and overwhelmed with my abundance. This is where you're supposed to dwell. If it is health, he says, just receive divine health, not healing. How can a man receive of the fullness of God and say a generational curse, a generational curse, a demon spirit is still afflicting my eyes when we have received of that fullness? When we have received of that fullness, the challenge is we have failed to meditate on the word of God and what it truly says because there are many people who can quote these scriptures. They can speak them of head. They know them. They can confess them. Oh, God says this. God says that. But we have not built a relationship to allow these things to get inside our spirits. The Bible says, For God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. Now he gives the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So not only has he come to give you light, he has now gotten into you, built something enough and beautiful enough for that light to come out of you and give the knowledge of the glory of God to another person in the face of Jesus. That they will look at you and say, if this man can make it, I will make it. If this person can heal, I will walk in health. If this person broke through, I can break through. God has set us up as an example that the world will look at us and believe. You are an example. You're this piece God points to and he says, if you doubt, look at. Oh, some of you can't even say your names. You're too intimidated by greatness. Come on. If you want an example, look at. May it be so in the name of Jesus. May it be so in the name of Jesus. May God do things in your life and may people start looking at you and admiring you. It's one thing for you to give a testimony. It's another when people testify about you and they say, I know that woman. I know where she began from. I saw her when she still had one pair of shoes. I saw him when he was still living alone. I saw them when they were still sick on the bed. Now look at what God is doing in him. Look at what God is doing in her. See, the devil knows very well that you you cannot break the testimony. The Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the power of their testimonies. People might doubt you. People might label you. People might call you all names. But they cannot doubt the power of the testimony of God operating on your life. Somebody shout hallelujah. Some people in the world are still shy to be born again. When you look at them, they even feel sorry to be born again. They hold the Bible and when they see their friends, they hide it. Are you born again? No. Do you go to church? Oh yeah, yeah, sometimes. Listen, God wants to put something on you. See, when Paul saw this life, he says, unto whom I'm least of all saints. I was the smallest. I was the last of all saints. He says, the Lord counted it worthy. He counted it worthy of all acceptation that I should be called a minister of the gospel. Hey, Paul is saying there is no place like serving God. Like serving God. Like serving God. A few days ago, a person walked into my office and then they said, Apostle Grace, I serve this president, and I serve this president, and I serve this president. These are people that I serve. I serve three presidents, and I serve them. She said, but she told me, but there is nothing 
comes close to the fact that I serve in Fanero. You know why? Because they know the difference. They know the difference. Come on. Christianity, to be born again, oh, you should be so proud to be a child of God. I don't even understand how you're not serving God yet. How can you be there and you're just not serving God? How can you not serve God? Somebody shout hallelujah. We are entering days where kings will come to your rising. Are you hearing me? The Bible says Gentiles will come to your light. Gentiles will come to your light. You see, it's the light, it's the light, it's the light, it's the light, it's the light. And the kings, listen, to the brightness of your rising, to the brightness of your rising, to the brightness of your rising, to the brightness of your rising. He says, strangers shall serve you. You see, is that light? Is that light? Is that light? I don't care where they're positioned in life. They will come to you. I don't care how much education they have. They will come to you. I don't care how tall, how big, how influential they are. They will come to you because you are the light of this world. You're the city that is set on a hill. You cannot be hidden anymore. Yes. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lift your voice and start to speak in tongues. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Lift your voice and speak to God. Shara bara de brodo koporo dile barada. Hey, kama dele brodo bo shira baradi. Your body will speak it. Your health will speak it. Your wisdom will speak it. Your visions will speak it. Your innovations will speak it. Your creations will speak it. Your ideas will speak it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, speak to God. Thank Him. Tell Him, thank you because I dwell in the light. I'm of the light. I am that light. Because you dwell in the inside of me. Come on, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Come on, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Glory to God. Zarida bakosende zedeboko pradalapa rende kezikata para nele baradele po. We have been delivered. We are free. We are changed. We are transformed. Mara de bakota made koshira marele boroboro deta. Zaraba de kashata na mantere borodobo zelepo. Rima da bazogo toko borotoro borodeleba. Rana bagajikata made kepata. Come on, get a hold of it. Receive it. Receive it all. Receive it all. Receive it all. Receive it all. I see kidneys are healing. Kemada, liver disease is healing. Stomach issues, wombs are opening. Blood diseases are healing. Oh, heart diseases are healing. Hypertension is healing. Diabetes is healing. Asthma. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and let the labs be a liar. Let God be true and let the economies of this world be a liar. Let God be true and let the educations of this world be a liar. Let the science of this world be a liar. Let the biologies of men be a liar. Let the chemistries be a liar. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let God be true and the divisions of this world be a liar. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let God be true and the falsehoods of this world be proved. 
to be a lie. The Bible says that they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. I refuse to observe lies. I refuse to observe deception. In the mighty name of Jesus, my candle is lit. In the mighty name of Jesus, the path of the just, the Bible says, shines brighter and brighter and to a perfect day. The Bible says that the longer they live, the brighter they will shine. You're brighter today. You're going to be brighter next week. You're going to be brighter next month. Do not be deceived. I don't care how much debt is on you. I don't care how much troubles are on your household. I don't care how much pain is within. I don't care what the doctor said. Your days are going to be brighter and brighter. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, give him a mighty hand of praise. Clap for him. Give him a mighty hand of praise. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Thank him. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you have never given your life to Christ, I want to give you the opportunity right now. I actually don't want to explain myself a lot because there's somebody speaking for me. He's called the person of the Holy Spirit. And I know that he's convicting you to the place of receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. I believe the one watching me right now is convinced already. I don't need to pull you. I don't need to stretch you to this because I'm inviting you to life. And all you need to say is, Lord Jesus. Say it. Say, Lord Jesus. I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins. It was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.